Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 90. I, 90? I can't believe I'm saying that. Anyway, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then the best way to do it is email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or Facebook them. Alex, how are you? Episode 90, that's crazy. I know, I, it seems like every benchmark, like, I'm sure I said it at 80 as well or whatever, but we are approaching the hundreds, you know, in two right, and a half months. Right. No, I'm good, man. I'm happy to be on this show. It's, uh, it's great to... I always thought it'd be pretty fun to do a podcast, and then I decided why why not go further and want to do a podcast and do none of the work, and then I found Barry Chalmers. So, you know, we're all <laughs> dreams do come true, kids. You know, well, I don't I don't know who's doing the work actually because I I just read out questions. Yeah, exactly. It is pretty, pretty, you pretty fair. I always it's like yeah, you know. I give you a hard time like that. Just sit there, Barry, and don't do anything. You'll still get half the money, right? Like, but like at the same time, I I'm like when I'm done, I'm done. It's like yeah, yeah, all right, piss off everybody. All right, I'm out. Like you know, so like uh, and then Barry's got to go and like you know cut it and then, you know. Again, he has to remove all the anti-Semitic slurs that I, I, I put out there. And then, by the way, I always have to say this, otherwise I get angry emails. That is a joke. That That is, it's funny because it's so egregiously horrible, right? It could not actually occur. I love it when they do this. They do this when you, like, do, like, the poker stars stuff, right? They're like, okay, what are you going to say when we have you go on live? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just going to talk about poker. It's like, yes, but what specifically are you going to say? It's like, I don't know. I'm going to talk about the tournament or whatever. It's like, yes, but what specific? I'm going to say the N-word repeatedly. I'm going to talk about Auschwitz. Exactly. What what do you say? Like, actually, that's a bad example. I had an Auschwitz uh, bar in one of my battles, which I just – no, no, but it was a good line because it was like he was ga- gassed up means you're full of yourself. So I said he's gassed up like Auschwitz. I just I didn't say anything oh, bad yeah. about anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like I just but I, I, I somebody had to claim that one right. Like but I didn't like by the way. I mean I, I don't know. I told that to my I, I asked a few a few of my Jewish friends. Does this cross the line? It's like no, it's a good bar. And it's like okay, cool, all right. That's usually my good barometer. And then uh. This one, I have to bounce. My next battle coming up, uh, I have an African-American gentleman. And I hate it when people, like when white rappers will say anything about any opponent and then they get to the, they get to their first black opponent and they just turn into like, you're an awesome dude. And it's like, I, okay, dude, that's even more like offensive to me. Like you think he can't handle it. 
So yeah, now I'm ba- I'm bouncing my ideas off of Carlos, like you know, eh. and yeah, if I offend him, I've gone too far. So if Carlos is not speaking to me when you've heard this, I've gone too far. Just so y'all know. But yeah, anyway, what's what's good, Barry? Yeah, Barry, we got we don't have as much to go on current events or whatever. What do you what, you seen any good movies lately? You watching anything? Oh, yeah, what you been uh, up to? That's kind of ti- that's kind of timeless. That's a good one to do when we're yeah, scheduling yeah. I'm trying days. to think if I've. I must have watched some sort of movie recently, and I'm trying to think what it was, but it's not. nothing's jumping out at me just now. I'm doing a series just now, Peaky Blinders, it's called. Oh, yeah? Um, it's in the UK, like, set in the, like, early part of the 20th century, sort of like 19, like, 18, 19, 19, like, into, heading into the 20s. I just finished the first season. And uh, it's good. Sam good. Neill plays like uh, a like northern that. Northern Ireland uh, police. Like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. I love that And stuff. it's got the thick Northern Irish accent and stuff. And the lead guy of like this family, like it's like a band of brothers, and uh, they've got like a few other relatives and stuff. And they're like coming up you know, their empire, their criminal empire. Right. And um, it's sort of like the British boardwalk empire, just because of the period it's set in and yeah. stuff. Peaky Pe- um, Blinders sounds like someone who could gun me down in the street then go for Pe- some Pe- tea. Blinders. Like, yeah. that just well, sounds They've scary. got, like, these flat caps on, um, and they've got, like, razor blades, like, stuck on them, and they take them off and use them in fights and stuff. Jesus and, Lord. Yeah, it's quite... It's BBC as well, and it's had quite a budget, and... It's quite brutal. There's bits in it that are really brutal. It's, it's good. It is good. Uh, the first few episodes, like anything, especially set in that period for me, it's like it took a while to get going, you know, and I wasn't really convinced with that Cillian Murphy is the lead guy, like as a hard man, gangster, oh, you know, yeah. leader of a family. I was a bit like, mm, you know. Nah, but it. Tom Hardy's supposed to come into it in season two. And season three is uh, just started in the UK. So, yeah, Tom Hardy is supposed to play some, like, Jew guy in London. That's uh, So that'll be good. It'll be interesting to see him. I really like Tom Hardy. So, um, yeah, it's good. That's good. That was on Netflix. I'm trying to think of anything else. Any movies I've watched. I have been watching through some stuff, but nothing's jumping out that was a, really Have memorable. you seen this show Black Mirror? On BBC? Uh, no, that was on, well. That was on Channel Four in the UK. Oh yeah, uh, I thought they told, I thought I heard BBC, but yeah. But I've I've, I've not watched it. I remember the trailers for it, like when it was on uh, TV here. But I never I never watched it. But I've been told it's good. Dude, it's it's badass. It's the it's a souped up Twilight Zone. Like, okay, I read and. Uh, you know, my wife has her shows that she watches, right? And I'll, I'll read and I'll kind of like half pay attention, right? I never take my headphones off to watch what she's watching. And she watches some good shows, right? But like, she she has a, you know, obviously uh, she has some shows that I don't understand. Like, I, I don't get the whole vampire stuff or whatever. But like, uh, she has like good good taste in a lot of shows. But like, I'll never take off my headphones ever, even if I'm kind of like half paying attention, right? I'll, I'll be into my book. Black Mirror started the first two minutes of the first episode. I was like, what the hell? And right. I was like, I, 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 I like ripped my headphones off. I was like, go back, go back. I want to see this from the beginning. I was just, I, 
it was like better than most of the movies I've seen, right? And it's like, you know, it's like 55 minutes and it's done. And it's like, it's one concept, one show, right? It's uh, It doesn't, because that's my biggest problem with TV is it just goes forever, right? And it's like, yeah. there's so much filler, right? And it, it like, when they don't know what to do or how to develop the character, you can tell they're like, okay, you can tell, like, before they start the season, they have, like, ten episodes there. Like, this plot twist happens here. This plot twist happens here. This plot twist happens here. And then, in between, they have no idea what to put, right? So it turns into a lot of conversations, tense conversations. It's like, yeah, yeah, God. If I wanted drama, I'd get into a fight with my wife, right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need this crap, right? Like, and then, uh, it, it's... I, I don't get why people are so into drama, you know what I mean? I hate drama, that's such a, it's so boring to me to like get into arguments with people and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's like, that's all people, people like just drown on that when it comes to television. And so it's like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. They're getting into it again. Yeah. Like Jersey shore. They're fighting a bunch of muscle uh, heads are fighting. And it's like, Oh, look at the Kardashians. They're so rich, but they're <laughs> so pissed. All oh, these real housewives. They're never angry. Like, it's really weird, too, like, if somebody's flipping through the channels. Like, when my, when my mom comes here, she watches more of the, like, typical television, right? And I'll just hang out with her, and I'll be reading. And I'll look up, and I'm like, Mom, I, every time I've looked it up for the last two and a half hours, it's just people arguing. That's all mm-hmm. it is. No wonder that's all we do now in the States, right? But, yeah, like, Black Mirror is an incredible. It's, like, an, it, it, it's, like, ruined other, like, sci-fi movies for me. Like, Ex Machina, did you ever see this movie? No, no. no was, I've I've seen the trailer again. No, it's it's super pretentious. It's awful. I thought it was a terrible movie, right? I did not think that movie was good at all. And it was like everybody just loved this movie. And I was like, this is essentially a really made this would be one of the worst Black Mirror episodes and it's like two in it's like two hours long, right? Two hours yeah. twenty minutes or something. So I was just like, finish it up, right? And it's like I, I Okay, I'm not going to, like, give away, like, spoilers or anything, but these people are supposed to be geniuses is essentially the premise at the beginning. And I hate it when somebody's supposed to be a genius and they just do dumbass thing after dumbass thing that a five-year-old could have figured out, right? And you could just drive a four-by-four through the plot holes. And it's just, uh, it, it drives me insane. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird because you watch, like, a kung fu movie with your friends, and people are like, oh, this plot doesn't make sense. And then they'll watch this sci-fi movie, and just because it has good, uh, it has some good special effects, right, they'll be like, oh, it's sweet, man. And it's like, no, I, I don't go to movies to see computer-generated images, man. I, I come to see <laughs> movies, you know what I mean? I want, I want to see something that's, like, you know, moving, you know, like, hey, hey, wow, man, I've a... Uh, I came up with something there. <laughs> I should put that on a t-shirt. No, that's horrible. Don't do that. No, but yeah. No, but no, you're just checking out that show. What else are you checking out? Yeah, yeah. Just I, I want to watch uh, Interstellar, I think it was called, with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, uh, yeah. So it's him. Matthew Broderick, though. Matthew McConaughey, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Matthew. I really like Matthew. Hey, really did you like know Matthew. Matthew Broderick killed someone in Scotland and paid a ticket for it? What? Yeah, he he killed somebody in Scotland. He he, <laughs> he 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 drove his car the wrong way down a road and he hit uh, I think it was a mother and her daughter and like killed one of them. And uh, yeah, I'm dead serious. Uh, you can look it up. Yeah. It's uh, it, 
Yeah, he doesn't remember the entire day, right? Like, uh, he, uh, but you know, he paid a ticket and he was on his way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't. Something tells me that wouldn't have happened to Tracy Morgan, or you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just guessing that wouldn't have happened. You know, that was back in the day when like Frank Sinatra could open fire on a McDonald's and people would be like, "Well, it's Frank Sinatra, man. What do you, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But like, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can. I couldn't believe that when I read that, right? Like it was a, uh, it was pretty, it, it was pretty incredible. Well, what do you think about this? They have this law in Costa Rica, because years ago a friend of uh, a friend of a friend of mine like uh, hit uh, like some guy got drunk and he stumbled out of a bar and he just walked into a highway, right? And it was at night and he was wearing dark clothes and uh, this friend of a friend uh, just hit the guy like going sixty, right? Like it. it she, uh, she was probably she probably should have been going like 45, but she was going over because, you know, everybody does. And like she was going 55 or whatever. Anyway, she hit him and like killed him. Right. And she drove like two minutes or not like two minutes. She drove like down to the end of the street and turned around because she was so shocked. Right. And they were trying to do that. That was a hit and run. Right. Like five, ten years. Right. And in Costa Rica, they have this law where it's like you have five, ten minutes to get back to the scene because they believe if they make it so like if you just drive five feet away, like you're going to be you're 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 you it's a hidden run. They think everybody's just going to run. Right. And they also think like you go through a shock, uh, you, you go through a problem with shock, like right when that happens. So you don't know what to do. So they think. Maybe you need like a couple minutes to get back, but I don't know which, which one do you think is better? Which law? Oh. <laughs> uh, I had a real fight with myself on this one. I I I don't, I don't know. It's tough it's because tough. I, my, my thing is like if you start going, maybe you'll be like, maybe I'm in the clear. I'm gonna keep going, yeah, right? You yeah. know what I mean? But at the same time, I bet a lot of people are like, Jesus Christ, what just happened? Right? And just keep driving, and then they're like. We, you know, there's already people gathering around. We're driving away. Like, don't go back now. It's a hit and run, right? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, uh, that's tough. That's tough because what, what you know, and also it depends on the state of the driver in that as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, know, and uh, I think I think she was sober, but yeah, it was a drive drive safely, people. That's yeah, the exactly. Yeah, it was a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. Only to. Uh, Nah, that that's something I shouldn't talk about on air. But that's uh, only uh, only time I saw somebody die in front of me. It was a hit and run, and uh, oh. yeah, a guy drove away. That was a uh, was pretty wonderful. That was a uh, that was awful. Like it was, a, you don't realize like <laughs> like what an eff- you always expect that's going to have a huge effect on you. And I was just kind of like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't know what to do. Right? Like I, I didn't. You put, you put your foot down. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, you call the police, you describe the car, and then yeah, file the reports, and it's like, yeah, that's boring. Uh, I was about to say it's boring, but it was pretty boring. Well, and then it's like, it's like, did you catch, catch the license plate? No. Did you catch the make and model? No. Did you catch the color? I think it was kind of red. Right? And it's like, well, you know, they're never gonna catch him, right? And that was the scary thing. It was like, there's somebody out there who just. You know, he killed someone yeah. and he knows it, and or, or he doesn't know it. Oh you my know? God! Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, a guy could have just been pissed drunk and thought he hit a speed bump. Yeah, right? what's like, worse? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, it was like and, 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 you know, yeah, what's worse? 
Could you imagine having that on your conscience the rest of your life? I know. I remember my, my dad was kind of a badass and kind of a hard... Like, my dad was like, you know, he was working in the Soviet Union back when it was the Soviet Union as a fisherman. He's a pretty tough guy. He's got a few choice things to say about Bernie Sanders these days, by the way. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, like, my, I remember my dad was never... My dad didn't like police, and he didn't like authority, and he didn't like a lot of people. But I remember uh, we saw I Know What You Did last summer, right? And I don't remember why we saw this, because... He, 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 I don't know, he wasn't really into those kind of movies, right? And he, he was the type of dude to be like, this is, you know, this is, uh, this is ass, I'm out of here, right? <laughs> like, if it was that, and he was just, he looked at me and he was like, if you ever hit anyone, even if you're drinking, just call the police, right? <laughs> like, just don't ever do anything else, right? And then you don't want that on here. And I remember that having, like, a real effect on me, because my dad, you know, my my, my dad was not, you know, like uh, Johnny Law, you know what I mean? He was, uh, <laughs> it, it, so that that was like, damn, that must be pretty serious, right? But yeah, anyway, well, this took a wonderful turn. Let's answer some questions. Yeah, and the first one um, is all about family life. So all right. I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we teased it on the end of the last podcast. Uh, we filmed that one just before this one um, because we're trying to get a few recorded back to back just now. Um, I've got some stuff upcoming. Um, and this one is from Corey, so I'll read out again. It is, hello, could you talk about playing with limited time? I take my poker seriously, but the day-to-day of family life makes it impossible for me to sit at a computer for more than an hour or two max. I used to love grinding the MTTs, but I simply can't do it anymore. What's better to look at doing with, what's better to look at doing with limited time? Cash games or perhaps these new three-handed turbo games are heads-up turbos. Thanks. Well, this is why I made the webinar Master Poker with one hour a day, which is supposed to be one forty-nine ninety-nine. But if you if you get the new webinar, uh, you can get thirty-three percent off on this one as well. Uh, so you can get kind of a package deal for two hundred dollars. You can get uh, well, I mean it's fifty. It's going to be one fifty-two for this new one, like after. Uh, the 14th, so you just get $100 off if you buy both of them together right now. But also, you know, I'll give you give you a lot of this stuff out right now. And if you guys, uh, by the way, people are always like, do you guys do deals on, like, multiple purchases? And it's like, yeah, man, just write me. Uh, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm kind of, I'm in the camp where, I remember this one time, like, going to a bike shop, and I, even though I was, like, really young, uh, I, I, I'd, uh, I had this bike shop, I had this bike and I, I couldn't figure it out, but the 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 brakes were locked up on it, right? And I I, I lived off my bike, like I, I couldn't. You needed a car or a bike in my part of the country, right? And like not having my bike working was really bad. I like couldn't do a lot of things, right? And uh, so anyway, I took it to the shop, and uh, uh, the guy the guy looked at the the guy looked at the brake line and it was snagged on somewhere like really stupid. Right. And like, he, he literally like pulled it out and it was done. And I was like, yeah, okay. How much do I owe you? And he was like, well, we got to keep the lights on. So like $5. And I was like, I was kind of thinking like, if this were my shop and it literally just took me three seconds to figure this out, I'd be like, don't worry about it. Just come in if you ever need anything else. Right. Because wouldn't you have a customer for life if you, if you did something like that, and it's like, I, I, I really always, I, that really stuck with me that I didn't like giving that guy the $5, even though I, even back then I was a teenager, I had the five bucks. 
You know what I mean? I, I just was like, this just feels so slimy. $5 for a couple seconds of work. You know what I mean? And it was like, and then, so yeah, if you guys ever, you know, if you guys want to hit me up, like I'm not going to charge you for absolutely everything. And it's like, just, you know, hit me up. We'll work something out. But yeah, uh, Master Poker with one hour a day really focuses on that. Let me talk about some of the stuff that, you know, we can, uh, uh, that's really easy to translate like really fast. You know what I mean? Not the stuff that took the entire webinar. Uh, so you got the family life. First of all, the thing I always tell, a lot of my students are in the same camp. They have like one, two hours a day. I always tell them, first of all, you're ahead of the game. You got a job. You got a family. Those are kind of, they did, they did this test, and it's like, how do you get out of poverty? They were trying to figure out how people got, got out of poverty. It was really interesting. They found out get married, have kids, go to church, right? And I was like, What? Like, that makes no sense. Well, it makes a ton of sense when you figure out that if they're going to church all the time, if they have a problem, there's 100 people yelling at them. And this was like, they're going, well, I'm sure there's some churches they go to where nothing good happens, right? But uh, a lot of these guys, like, had, you know, they had no choice but to go to work and keep their crap together. And then eventually some good things started happening, right? And then if they were going to a church, that was essentially just a way that was the only way they could find, like, they could really define a community, right? It could just be, like, if you were Korean-Americans and you had, like, a really uh, deep community of people who knew how to do a lot of things and you could get discounts on a lot of things and offer your services, that was a huge help, too, right? But a lot of guys that come into poker, they think, like, the family, oh, my God, the family and the job, man, it's keeping me from it. No, that might make you really good because when you come into the game, you're – I've learned things in 15 minutes that I did not figure out for eight years, right? Well, how did I figure out those things in 15 minutes? I didn't have time to play a session that day. I had to learn. I I just had like an hour before I I got to my other job of like teaching or something like that. And I was working on something like that. So your, your real focus a lot of times is uh, your focus. A lot of the times is study. You do need to play as much as possible, a lot of times you can fit the study time in different parts of the day. A lot of times we have downtime at uh, our jobs. When I was working, uh, when I was working in a kitchen, I would have like you know I'd have my like 20 minute break or something like by law I'd have to take, and you know everybody else was just grab assing and smoking cigarettes right out the back. I, I was reading Harrington on Hold'em, you know, and every you know everybody made fun of me like ah you think you're gonna be a poker player and blah blah blah. And I was like. I was like, mark my words, I'm not going to be here in a couple of years, all right? I promise you that. And it, you really do have to kind of have that gumption. And a lot of people, you know, they take this subway to work or something like that. And, you know, they do this thing where they're like, I'm listening to a podcast. Like, obviously, if you're listening to the One Hour podcast, you're getting a lot of information. Or you're listening to the Thinking Poker podcast, you're getting a lot. But there's a lot of – actually, I guess there's not as many, like, entertainment poker podcasts anymore. But, like – Back in, uh, but a lot of times people do this thing where they're like, I'm learning, right? And uh, they're like on their laptop, they're watching like EPT highlights, right? Which I, I think might actually be really damaging for your game because a lot of time what a highlight is is two people colossally effing up and it turning into a huge pot that nobody had any business playing. And if you think that's how to play poker, you're going to have another thing coming. And also... A lot of these don't show you, like, how often 
the person folds, you know what I mean? That was another reason I started putting my videos up on YouTube is I wanted to show people, like, I fold a lot. You don't have to be, like, there used to be this thing I could never get people to open up their game. Now I can't get people to tighten it, right? They think, like, they have to be a psychopath at all times. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you know you're beat, you fold, all right? This, this should be poker 101, but it doesn't seem to be for a lot of people, right? And uh, I fold a lot. A lot of times, I bet half the guy's ships on the river and he jams, and I have like third nuts, but he's only shoving first nuts or second nuts. And I see a lot of people call because, oh, God, I don't want to feel stupid if I fold. And I'm like, no, 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 that's part of the game, right? And uh, you want to check out, like, uh, you want to make sure you get the most focused materials possible. So, I, of course, recommend my webinars because I bust my ass to make them. Uh, anything, that, uh, anything that John Van Fleet puts out is incredible. Anything Matthew John puts out is incredible. Anything uh, – John, Jonathan Little has a lot of really good uh, materials. I'm not going to say everything is incredible because he's been doing it for so long. I'm sure some of the stuff has changed over time. Uh, Tree Wind does have a lot of good stuff. And you want to really focus on the materials that are really relevant to what you're doing. And you want to pick one game uh, that's pretty fat. Uh, I would pick cash in your particular situation. Uh, I don't know where you are, but uh, if you can do, like, Zoom, I think that's really good, right? And, uh, ugh, that's disgusting. You have to play on stars. But, like, I couldn't come up with a creative name for it this time. Uh, but uh, it, you can, you know, our, uh, you could play on uh, iPoker, actually, I think, as, like, a fast uh, game. But, like, yeah, you want to do, like, close quarters combat, you know what I mean? Because, th like, if you're playing heads up, you're going to be in these situations a lot, right? And you're going to learn, like, really fast. You want to play with amounts that you can afford to lose, and you want to make sure that you are – you want to play with amounts that you can afford to lose – and you want to make sure that you're playing, like, really concentrated sessions, like one hour or two hours. And then I, I think if you can play, like, two hours a night, I think you said one to two hours. Like, if you can play two hours a night, there are, like, uh, Zoom poker tables where you can play heads up, I think, really small stakes. I think you it, – now, it's going to be quite jarring, right, or, like, six max, right? Uh, you can learn really fast a lot about poker, right? And then just throughout the day, like trying to get little bits and pieces of things you can study and make sure you're studying the right materials. That's what I do in your spot. And remember, the stability of having that job and having that family is really likely to make you a cool customer at the tables. So, yeah, good luck to you. Okay, and the next question. Now, I think this is a really interesting question. Um, this, uh, this, is, this is a good one. This is from Mark. Um, hi guys, can you guys talk about optimal use of bankroll? I totally agree with playing way overrolled. Way overrolled, yeah, I'm reading that right. Like 400 buy-ins for MTTs. But there is a level where you are not using your bankroll optimally also. So what's your own thoughts on the sweet spot? Thanks. Now the reason I said it's interesting is I was speaking with a guy the other day, just on Saturday, and he's an older guy. He must be 50s and he was in Monaco and he played he was playing just gambling in Monaco and he ended up playing the a side event of the EPT and then he played the grand final as well mm -hmm. he just like bought in off blackjack winnings 
Right. And he was talking to me. I was talking to him. I've not seen him in, in about a year. And he was telling me, he was, we were talking about other things, totally not poker, bankroll related, etc. But he got onto like this sort of concept of like a redundant bankroll, he called it. Like mm. if you had 25 grand or 50 grand bankroll and you're playing one pound, two pound blackjack. You know? <laughs> it's like it's like there there is that sweet spot with the variance in poker. You have to you know you advocate you know three hundred four hundred buy-ins or or even more sometimes. We've discussed it before. Like right. you know people can take like you know four hundred five hundred buy-in downswing. You know like yep. just def definitely. But there is that sweet spot of like maybe you're not growing your money as quick as you could, you know. Right. I right. don't want. I, I don't. I don't want to say that because that implies, and I don't want to reward Mark's question for him. But it just it, we got talking and got into like a discussion on it about yeah, what's the optimum of like protecting yourself from the risk of ruin, but also growing your money. You know, you're making the best use of your bankroll. It's being used. Like technically, if you got fifty k and you're playing like five dollar sitting goes, you know, right? It's like okay, your risk of ruin is like whatever, but is that really the best? You could do that with a five k bankroll and have a thousand buy-ins. You, you know what I mean? I know exactly so, like, what you're talking. About. I I know Kelly criterion and stuff and all the math goes into finding that sweet spot, but if you want to take it from there and like what your what your thoughts are on it in terms of how you approach it, because I know you're business bankroll you kind of like intermingle a lot of it and stuff and, and, and use concepts from from each you know so you know i just wrote that down because this is why i love that sh this show it's like it gives you a lot of ideas i think that'd be fun for like a mini free webinar you know what i mean that would lead into a lot of other stuff going on you know what i mean like just to show people like hey you know like we know what we're doing here at assassin coaching and uh yeah, I mean, something, because that's something I don't hear discussed a lot, which is a lot of people do this, like, uh, like, it was just a thing when I was, like, 19, you know, it was just, it was just well known, I was a huge net, right, that was just, every, everybody discussed, like, how much I hated spending money, how I would, uh, uh, was it, I, <laughs> I cussed somebody out one time, uh, just because of how stupid they were with money, and then, like, I, I ended up, I, I had every right to because it was somebody I had to uh, help, right? And then, like, I just wasn't uh, – I was considered pretty conservative because, like, I would play – I remember back then when they were like, you got 40 buy-ins for a cash game. Go ahead and buy in. I was like, if I have less than 100, I'm not playing. And they were like, what the hell is wrong with you? And it's like, well, we're starting I, – I didn't, I didn't know this, but the risk of ruin went up as everybody else got better, right? And there's also – there is a stress component, right? Like we can't express this with a number, but how stressed you are does play on your ROI, right? So you might think, okay, the Kelly criterion applied to poker, which actually I've, I've written a book with a friend of mine where we're doing that, right? So be looking for that. He's a, he, ta he takes his sweet time on everything because he's, you know, one of these uh, you know, he's a professional gambler and math mathematician type, right? So, you know, they kind of get up in their head about how they have to do all these things, but that should, should be coming out soon. Well, you got your, like, you know, okay, this is how many buy-ins I need according to the risk of ruin, and uh, this is my ROI. You don't realize if that ROI gets cut in half, your risk of ruin is just blown up, right? And a lot of people's ROI sinks more than half when they're in makeup or when they're doing terrible, 
right, or when they're stressed about their money, right, I always thought it was a really good idea to retain my uh, uh, to retain my sanity and retain my ROI thusly by keeping the buy-ins deep. Now, the only time I veered away from that, uh, I'll get I'll walk you guys through like how I how I viewed things, right? Uh, when I was younger, and it, it led to me making like out of the Seattle scene and like playing with hundreds of players, as I know, out of everybody in that kind of like self-made like home game scene, starting to play online, I think I was the one dude who made it out and uh, who became a professional player. Out of a lot of those guys, wanted to be doing that. And if you ask them back in the day, like who, who are the top ten players in this like little league they were doing? I wouldn't have come close to that list. I might not have made the 50s, right? So I really do think my, like, bankroll management is what got me to the top uh, of my particular uh, – that sounded really arrogant. But, I, I, okay, I'd put myself in the top 0.1 percentile, so I guess it's not. But they're uh, – like, uh, okay, this is how I started when I was young, uh, and I had 50 bucks to my name. This is not a bankroll worthy of defending, all right, this is this bankroll means nothing. I can lose this fifty dollars, and I'll go back uh, to work in security. I'll go back to where uh, I wasn't working security at that time. I'll go back to working in this kitchen. Uh, I'll go I'll go back to whatever, right? And I'll, I'll go back to moving Persian carpets and get some money together, right? This fifty dollars is not worth protecting. So I literally put it all down on one tournament, right? And when I was broke, I didn't have. I didn't have money to get home, right? Like, I figured, like, I could bum a dollar off of one of my friends and take a bus, right? But, like, literally doing stuff like that. But, and everybody said that that was so stupid, right? And people would be like, dude, you're, you know, like, my family had a house, but, like, we were on our way to losing that house, right? And, uh, and, and like, I don't know. Things just weren't, you know, things weren't that bad, but things weren't that good financially. You know what I mean? It, it was stuff like I didn't have money for a yearbook or like a graduation gown or whatever. And eventually I was living in the hood, as people called it. But I didn't really think it was that bad because I don't know. It, it, they, they would do this thing where it's like SWAT hit our block at three, it, you know, three times this month, right? And it's like, obviously that's scary. But at the same time, I'm like, I bet there's a lot of ghettos around the world where SWAT doesn't come in. You know what I mean? I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure somebody just starts whiling. That's it. You know, like you just run inside. And I bet there's parts of Chicago and East L.A. that are like that. Right. So it's like, you know, it wasn't, you know, and I was living in a garage. There was no heating. There was no plumbing. And it sucked. But like, you know, people are like, you're being real reckless with your bankroll. And I was like, if my bankroll is 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and I can replenish it really easily, work in security or going commercial fishing, I'm just going to go for it. Right. And uh so I would just, I, I would not be protecting that bankroll. Now, the other, the other reason I wouldn't protect that bankroll was like, where was I going to find a $1 sit and go live? You know what I mean? With a decent rake or some, something like that, right? So I didn't really have much of a choice, so I'd run it. Now, when I got $50 online, I wanted as an experiment to see if I could grow it. So I was still putting up like 20% of my bankroll because, you know, it, it, I can replenish it really quickly, right? And uh, I wanted, if I could run it up to a couple hundred dollars, that would mean a lot to me. But once I ran it up to a couple hundred dollars, I didn't increase my investment, right? Because now, cause now uh, mentally, 
my ROI is going to go down for a couple months if I run this up to a thousand and just bust it because a thousand dollars would have meant the world to me back then, right? And mm-hmm. uh, like that was my rent for four months, right? At, at that time, so that that would have really like done something to my head, right? So I just stayed at my five and ten dollar tournaments, right? Until I had a workable bankroll, which was a couple thousand, right? And that was uh, that took it took me longer to get from fifty dollars. I didn't even have fifty dollars. My my buddy loaned me fifty dollars online. I made thirty dollars that night. I sent him back the fifty dollars. So I, I never, I didn't deposit like ever, right, online. And from that thirty, it took me longer to go from thirty dollars to a thousand dollars than it took me to get from a thousand to a hundred thousand. Because, but it was a really good lesson because I learned a lot about bankroll management and managing myself during swings with a very small amount of money. And I I wouldn't want to deprive someone of that. Right. So there's a lot of people that are like, you know, when I say like, go for it with 50 or a hundred dollars, then they get 500. They're like, all right, time to just keep going for it. And it's like, no, no, no. Mm. Like you should, you should still be playing with like a hundred buy-ins, right? Not like 200 buy-ins or something, but you should be playing $5 tournaments. Right. Uh, like you, you should still be pretty aggressive, but not super aggressive. Right. And uh, so I'd play like $5 tournaments. I was terrified to play a $10 tournament. And, like, I, I would play, like, $5 sit and goes and $10 sit and goes, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I learned a lot. The reason I went from 1000 to to 100000 uh, faster is because I learned so much with my, you know, $30 to $1,000 investment. There were, like, months I couldn't make money, right? Like, I just didn't know what I was doing wrong. But, like, you know, I was working security. I was working, you know, commercial fishing. I was, uh, you know, I was working at Arby's. It was all right. You know, I was figuring it out. I was finishing high school and it was like, you know, it, it was like, you know, and a lot of people just do this crap where like, they don't want to play, like, I would go to school from five in the morning, five thirty in the morning, six in the morning, uh, to one thirty in the afternoon two two in the afternoon. Uh, I would come home, uh, homework was absurd. You know, I, I do homework for like a few hours and I go to Arby's I work like a four-hour shift and I come home at like 9 10 a.m. and I play until 3 in the morning right now obviously that was pretty stupid I only did that sometimes but a lot of times I'd play from 10 to 12 and then I'd sleep five hours but it's like a lot of people are just like I don't want to play that much you know what I mean so I'm and I don't really want to keep this job so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to see if I can get real lucky and then if I do get real lucky I'm going to quit this job and then but you know, just like we were talking about in the last episode, easy come, easy go, you know what I mean? And it just, it, it flows out of you, like, really quickly, right? And then uh, I think if you grit it out, that does give you a lot of discipline and a lot of lessons that once you get a bigger bankroll, and that's really something worth defending, the bigger your bankroll is, the more it's worth defending. And the longer it's going to take you to replenish it, the more conservative you should be, right? And then you start lowering uh, your risk of ruin by increasing the number of buy-ins, right? Now, there does come a point, uh, if you have a huge bankroll, like at one time I had more money than brain cells, uh, and that was, that was pretty, that the only time, okay, now I had, I'd been on a winning streak for like three, four years, I couldn't miss, right? Like, I had my stagnation. I had my downswings, right? But they never wiped me out. They never even took a huge amount of my bankroll because I was really good managing my bankroll, right? And I was religious about moving down, right? And people would make fun of me. Like, you know, 
like after I started getting some name recognition, they'd be like, what the hell are you doing at $30? And goes, I'm like, I'm running bad, right? I have to move down. And then I would beat up on people at lower stakes and I'd move up. And then I just kept doing that. And I kept, and then I, I amassed, you know, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And that's when I started thinking, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this game, right? And, uh, you know, I'll back a buddy of mine. I'll back, and by the way, every time you back a friend of yours, you just divided your bankroll in half, right? Because now you're supporting both of you. If half your bankroll cannot, you're supporting both of y'all. If half your bankroll can't, isn't like double. By the way, you're fielding all the losses in 50% of the wins, right? Yeah, so you don't, it, like that 200, 300 buy-in roll that like, goes out the window, it's like, uh, it's not even 600, 700 buy-ins, it's like 1,000 when you consider the risk of ruin and the real backers cut when you actually put in the variance and everything on the back end, right? And that's, that's stuff that's a little tougher to explain in a podcast format, but ch- keep, keep an eye out for that book, right? And like, you know, you just back a few of your friends, like you think this is real fun, you didn't realize you just opened up your bankroll up to like incredible... Uh, problems. And yeah, you know, eventually I went broke. I learned a lot. Uh, big bankroll. And by the way, that kind of bankroll can take years to build up again, and you might not ever do it again. You know what I mean? Because now your ROI has decreased because you're depressed, right? I built it up again in a year, and then, you know, the wonderful people at the DOJ took it. And then, yeah, and then I was in a wonderful mood for about a few weeks. And then, uh, that was so crazy. I'd like, I'd gone bust. I'd lost everything. I'd moved into this mountain home. I'd gone sober. I picked myself up. Actually, I didn't get sober at that time. Nope. Nope. That's a lie. But like I was, uh, I wasn't doing any drugs or anything, but I was drinking because, you know, socially that's accepted when really like drinking was a lot worse than a lot of the stuff I was doing. Right. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I final table the F-tops, get 140K, next day it's gone. So it's like, that, that felt great. You know, I got one outed for like 100,000 at that final table. Next day, the other 140 is taken. It's like, I just lost a quarter mil in a day. Wow, that's a great day. Woo! <laughs> I'm feel, I, I wish I, that is sick, isn't it? I, just, I, I was kind of thinking, I wish I didn't wake up today, right? <laughs> kind of, like, and then eventually, you know, well, the dumbest thing is I had a lot of projects going, and I was, like, feeding it with money from poker, right? So I borrowed a bunch of money against my full-till cash out, and then it, it finally came, and I didn't get a whole lot of it. And then, you know, the tax man came and was like, hey, you owe us late fees because you didn't pay us this win. And I was like, how was I going to pay you? You had the money. You just you, uh-huh. you held on to it for three years. You threw it back to me, and then he said, you owe us more on that. Like, uh, anyway, but, like, uh. Like, here, here's the thing. Like, optimal to me, like, let's say you got kids. Uh, you you got to, you know what I mean? You got, you got kids. You're taking care of your, you know, your wife's a stay-at-home mom, blah, 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 right? You got a lot of bills, right? Or you got people who depend on you, right? Like, I got, you know, like, God forbid anything happens in my businesses. But, you know, like, the physical therapy clinic does do some, like, pro bono work and it's like are we do you know we charge them what they can uh that's kind of like my pet project because i always felt like i was doing nothing with my life like so having this physical therapy clinic we're about to we're about to hire a new physical therapist i'm really excited for that so we have a nutritionist and two physical therapists and then uh we do a lot of work with the community right but like 
let's say like I don't have money and we go through like a hard time, that's going to be really hard on them. So I can't really be that aggressive, right? But like if, you, if you're young, you're single, uh, you got no dependents or anything, like you don't need 300 buy-ins like I advocate. You can increase your risk of ruin, but also increase your possible profitability if you go with 200 buy-ins, right? But you got to be real. The problem is 200 buy-ins ends up being like, well, I got 189 buy-ins. I, I, I'm good. You know, and it's like, well, I got 156, but I feel like I'm about to figure this out. Well, I got 127, but at the same time, you know, I've been playing these limits for so long. I'd be so embarrassed to move down now, and all my friends will make fun of me. And then I got 98 buy-ins. Where the hell did half my bankroll go, right? I don't know what just happened. That's what you're trying to avoid, right? So if you religiously move down, uh, I, I think you should religiously move down and move up, right? So my thing... When I had no dependents, I had nothing, right? Uh, I, uh, I, I went with 200 buy-ins, right? But I was like, if I, you know, there was a lot of people who was like, you're not ready for the Super Tuesday. It's like, well, I got the money for it right now, so I'm going to play it, right? And I'm going to figure it out. And they were like, you're not ready. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not ready, but how am I ever going to learn, right? And I got the money to waste on it right now. I might not have that eventually, right? So I have to learn. So I was religious about moving up, even if... Uh, now, if you know you're not ready, like clearly not ready, not like you're scared and you're learning, right? Like I, I was just scared because I'm a nit, because like $1,000, again, was like on one buy-in, that used to be four months rent to me, you know what I mean? That was a lot of money. That used to be, uh, I, I mean, that was, a, that was like three weeks with overtime at Arby's, you know what I mean? And like tons of overtime, right? So like there was something, it, it, it was still a lot of money to me, but I felt like I had to learn, right? But I think you should religiously move up and religiously move down. If you can adhere to that, uh, I, I think it does work out pretty well. And uh, ah, there was one more thing I was going to say. Oh, do not cash out a ton of your money. When you cash out your money, by the way, that lessens your bankroll, so you've got to move down. So make yourself move down every time you do that. And that's another reason I, I think like being too conservative is really stupid. I have a lot of, I, I have a lot of uh, people I know that like they, they have like $20,000 and it's like, what's your average buying? $4.55. And then it's like, well, what? And then uh -huh. and like that, that's obviously not optimal as well. Right. And then, you know, and then, you know, their brother comes and it's like, man, I'm in a bind with my, my shop. Right. I need someone to bail me out. And it's like, I need $15,000. You know, a lot of times you'd be like, well, I, I, okay, I'll give that to you. I'll still have like an obscene number of buy-ins. Right. That's awful. Don't do that. You should be like, yeah, look, I'll give you 1000 to get up on your feet, but, like, what the hell? Like, 15 k You shouldn't feel like you've got a bunch of money lying around, right? You should be using that. And, yeah, there is a – this also comes down to uh, what are you investing in? For the longest time, I had a ton of money liquid, and I wasn't doing anything with it, right? And so it just sat in my accounts until one day the DOJ said, well, we'll teach you about this bad habit, you know, about leaving money in your accounts. So what else are you going to invest in? You're going to invest in a business that has money coming off the back end. Uh, you're going to invest in a house and appreciating market. What else is there? You know what I mean? You're going to put, and uh, it's just like, if you play Grand Theft Auto five, is this is where I get all my financial advice, by the way, you, uh, but <laughs> like, I mean, a lot of times I was playing Grand Theft Auto five and I like, I love that game. Right. But I was, like, buying up, like, fake businesses in the game. Like, at the, like, I beat the story mode, which was incredible. 
And then, like, you know, I was just kind of playing around and, you know, like, uh, building up my, like, little empire there. And then I, it just hit me. Uh, I was doing that for, like, 20 minutes, and it hit me. I was like, this is so stupid, right? And I, I turned it off. I haven't played the game since then. I was obsessed with it for a few weeks playing it, and now, now I'm bored. Uh, I, I turned it off, haven't played it again. And that was because it was like, dude, I could be buying out places right now. I could be putting my friends on, right? So my, I wrote down, I wrote down, like, what are my ideas? And it's like, well, my wife's a physical therapist, and she knows a lot of people in the industry. So I should, you know, I got this clinic out in my house right now, but it's not big enough. I need a bigger place, right? I have a friend. He's a producer. He's a great producer. He's an incredible sound designer. He doesn't have his own studio. We could get a lot of people in if we got the same place. Went, found a property that you could host both businesses in. Boom. The next one I want to do is uh, I have a friend who works is one of the higher ups at like the best like uh, coffee company here. Right. And like runs a lot of their like cafes, but isn't really happy with her deal. So the next thing I want to do is open up a cafe and like have like and the cool thing is when you open up businesses, it gets to be your own like little world. You know what I mean? It's like I always wanted so like in my recording studio, I was like, I always hated going to studios and there was no Wi-Fi. So I put the Wi-Fi in there and I always hated when you're out in the waiting room and there was nothing to do. Right. So we put the place we put a PlayStation three in there and a TV. Right. And like you get to make your own little world. Right. And it's really fun. So like, yeah, with the cafe, I want to have like a like a loaning library. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, you think about it, the expense really isn't that much. You just go to a used bookstore here and like foreigners leave books all the time, right? Spend like what, $200, you clean them out. You have like a hundred, you know, like they're going to be like, no, I'm not going to give you these hundred books for $200. They don't want to sit there and sell it. So you get like a, you know, you get, you spend $200, you have a hundred books. And then that creates an effect every time somebody walks in like, oh, there's a loaning library. I've never seen one of those in Costa Rica, not like a loaning library. Read it while you're here, chumps. But like, yeah, anyway. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things I wanted to do. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's another way of making your money work. You know what I mean? So you got money coming off the back end. You got money coming in each month. You know what I mean? And then that's a lot better than just having, you know, 70,000 sitting around, you know what I mean? Doing nothing and actually depreciating as it goes in. So yeah, I mean, that's a big deal that I think, and that's kind of the fun thing about in Costa Rica. It's like, literally, this is how I got my business permit. I showed up. I have my, like, three pages of paperwork. Hi, I need my business per permit. You got the $50? Yeah, it's right here. Okay, here you go. Have a good day. In America, it's like, oh, uh, did you edge outside? Did you make sure global warming wasn't affected? We're going to need to do a $1,000 study. Global warming is a great way to get money out of business owners is what I figured out, right? And I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a climate change denier, by the way. I believe it exists. Here's the thing that bugs me is like I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio driving his Prius knows anything more than I do. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So when this guy's lecturing me about what I need to be doing, it kind of pisses me off. But yeah, like uh, I was listening to this business owner talking about, uh, what was it? He opened a Wendy's. What was it? What was it? Oh, it was a Hardee's, right? Hardee's is like a, a fast food joint in the United States. And he was like, opening it up in old Soviet Russia was a faster process than it was in opening Los, in Los Angeles. And it was yeah. cheaper. And it was like, what do you think that does to business, right? And then like, you know, and, but like in Costa Rica, like 
property's cheap. Uh, rent rates are cheap. That's why I tell everybody to move out. That's another way of like optimally running your money, right? If I wanted to open a physical therapy clinic in the United States, I'd need $300,000 to get all mm-hmm. the health permits and to get everything sterilized and to get all the right tools and to get all of our licenses updated and everything. Everybody does that crap with my wife. It's like, do you know how much you're going to be making in the States? It was like, do you know how much money she would have to pay on the front end to get working there? And then she's going to get 50% of her, like 50%. That's not, that's not like hyperbole. 50% of her money taken from taxes. Okay? Yeah. And then you think about that. That means you work from January to July for the government. Only for the government. None of that is for yourself. Right? Here... We pay our 15%, and it's like, and Costa Rica is like, okay, piss off. It's all on you now. And, I mean, there's some problems with that, too. In Costa Rica, it's Ronald Reagan's dream. There's just no regulation. And what that means is a bunch of shanty towns slam into each other, and that there's terrible traffic everywhere. And, like, the fire department, you know, they'll get there when they feel like it, thank you very much. And, like, but at the same time, like, you're opening up businesses. It's a lot easier here, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, it's a, so yeah, you know, currency leverage. Uh, that was a fun question. That was good. Yeah, it's good. It gets, gets the old gray matter ticking over. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, gray matter ticking over. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we're going to wrap it up for this show. This is the second podcast we've done today, and I know Alex has to go and do stuff, and so I, but thanks very much for the questions coming in. Different sort of... Uh, angle on that one, especially the bankroll one. It just shows you, you know, rather than we've discussed bankroll so many times, but yeah, just about using it optimally as well. You can always add on little bits and pieces and, and get you thinking about other aspects of it all. Um, Alex, uh, okay, you got a minute to plug away. Yes, sir. I mean, I, I like how you act like this isn't my damn podcast. Like, I only got a minute. Like, Anyway. <laughs> the, the the lights say one out or something. Yeah, yeah. Like anyway. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was really well done. Uh, Alex at PokerEdrush.com. Email me there. You guys got questions about anything? Uh, sign up for the newsletter at PokerEdrush.com, and you'll get free webinars, free videos, free articles uh, every week, multiple times a week, and uh, yeah. Uh, check out my new uh, uh, check, check out my new uh, free webinar in the show notes and learn how to test your poker. And by the time you guys hear this, the webinar it's 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 uh, leading into will have already taken place, but you can still grab it. So you you can buy it for uh, download. You can go ahead and write me. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's see. I think that's about it. Follow me on Twitter at the Assassinato. Uh, there's a Facebook fan page. I have no... Oh, go to PokerAdrush.com. It links to all of this, the Facebook fan page and all that. And, yeah, you know, good times. I'll talk to you all soon. And, uh, yeah, as Alex said, as he is the show, but I'm the network. <laughs> I'm, H- I'm HBO, you know? Like, HBO. you know. Yeah, Once you get old and jaded, there'll be another starlet coming along, Alex. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> right. Know? Sounds right. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm the Walt Disney. <laughs> Walt Disney's dead. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but no, he's frozen. He's had oh, that's right, that's right. Did, yeah, didn't yeah. they lose it? 
Oh no! I think uh, they're, 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 no, there's so, a president that they did that to in the states, and they lost the head. I think it was like JFK or something. Ended up on eBay. Oh well, thanks for listening, everybody, and keep the questions coming in for Alex. As he mentioned, it is his show. Um, please message in, ask Alex, and send all questions to questions at oneouter.com. That is the best way. If you can't be bothered doing the email or it's too much hassle for you, then tweet them or Facebook. But they all involve computers and typing and stuff like that. So please email them in. It is the best way. And you can send in, you know, a lot more content and stuff. And people send... We've not had hand histories in a while, so maybe some people send in some hand histories and uh, Alex can have a look at them for you as well. We've not done that in a while. Nobody's been sending in the hand history. What happened, Alex, is you've trained them all to look at their hand histories themselves. Yeah, while exactly. exactly. And everything. They're all busy beavering away doing that. Yeah, I'm um, doing a good job. That's yeah, cool. okay. Well, thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.